Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show may not be appropriate for children under 13. Hello and welcome back to First Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rollo. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the Supreme Court of the United States deliver the Dobbs v. Jackson decision regarding the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade. Today you will hear part two of my interview with Terry Beatley, who is the author of the book, What If We've Been Wrong? Keeping My Promise to America's Abortion King. Terry Beatley was the last person to interview the abortion king, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, before he passed away from cancer in 2011. Her promise to Dr. Nathanson was to spread the message to America about how he deceived the nation about abortion, which ultimately led to the infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. Terry promised Dr. Nathanson at his request that she would reveal his lies and those of abortion proponents until the campaign of deception was widely known or until Roe v. Wade was overturned. We are now on the verge of that promise being fulfilled. Terry Beatley is the founder of the Hosea Initiative. As described on her website, hoseaforyou.org, that's H-O-S-E-A, the number four, Y-O-U.org. Their mission is that by teaching the greatest unknown pro-life conversion story of all time, Jose Initiative showcases God's divine mercy to even the most egregious sinner who repents. It's the true story of Dr. Bernard Nathanson, a story of deceit and redemption which can end abortion, heal broken hearts, and lead millions of people to receive the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. Jose Initiative responds generously to the commission given by Dr. Nathanson, the regretful co-founder of NARAL, who trained Planned Parenthood's doctors until the early 1970s. Exploiting his authority as a physician, he became known as America's Abortion King and Keeper of Abortion's Keys. Science, however, changed his mind. He admitted to widespread deception, repented, and became a child of God. Ultimately, this atheist and abortionist became a pro-life warrior and was received into the Catholic Church, 
at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City on the feast day of the Immaculate Conception in 1996. Before we continue, let us pray. For as stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops, only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced with a culture of life. O God, we ask you to bring forth your justice and mercy upon our land as we draw closer to our nation's 246th birthday. Please make it the year that we honor our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, which clearly states that we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Help us always to realize that our first right is the right to life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry Beatley wrote an article for Inside the Vatican Magazine in October of 2020. She will refer to this article in part two of my interview with her today. Here is an excerpt from that article detailing when the abortion king, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, changed his mind on abortion. She writes, In 1973, just a few months after celebrating the Roe v. Wade decision, Dr. Nathanson witnessed for the first time a new technology, real-time ultrasound. He observed an unborn child in the womb, smiling, stretching, and wiggling her toes. He told me, Real-time ultrasound was the bomb. It made everything come alive. Science revealed the beauty, goodness, and truth of life in this sacred space. Demanding intellectual honesty from Dr. Nathanson, he had to acknowledge that abortion kills an existing human life and admit that what he had been doing was morally wrong. In that moment, he realized he had two patients, the mother and her child. His job was to protect and save them both. In that moment, Dr. Nathanson's pro-life journey began. He spent two years persuading NARAL, the National Abortion Rights Action League, that real-time ultrasound exposed a major ethical and moral dilemma but the organization cared little and would not alter its position. Dr. Nathanson resigned from NARAL on the second anniversary of Roe v. Wade. In his resignation letter, addressed to Lawrence Later, Dr. Nathanson's co-founder and chairman of the board of NARAL, he wrote, The judgments of the Supreme Court were never meant to be infallible or eternal, 
And what if we've been wrong? If the court should soon reverse itself on the abortion issue, in light of changing times and or new scientific evidence. What an incalculable injustice will have been perpetrated. What an immeasurable, irretrievable loss will have been suffered. The annual dues to NARAL are $10 a year and the hubris of certainty. I can no longer afford those dues. Sincerely, Bernard N. Nathanson, M.D. So ended the letter and this excerpt from Terry Beatley's article. How hauntingly prophetic was his letter as we look back almost 50 years and 63 million lost lives later. And now here's part two of my conversation with Terry Beatley. It's amazing to think that you are on the verge, hopefully, of fulfilling your promise to uh, spread the word until Roe v. Wade is uh, overturned. Yeah, well, I'm realizing that even if Roe did get overturned right now, obviously the nation still doesn't know about enough people. And, you know, the work is not done. But it'll be, I believe, so much easier. Yeah. Because now with this thing, there will be no place to be neutral. And I'm speaking, I mean, I'm assuming most of your audience is a Catholic audience. Yes. And it's time. I'm a Catholic revert, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a whole, that, and that's tied in with, the, with my promise to Nathanson as well. Mm. But I, as a Catholic revert who is on fire for Mother Church, I'm shocked at the Catholic apathy about abortion. We've got half of American Catholics so confused and and misled on this issue and you'll see here why as we go through these eight points so you know should we roll on yeah yeah go ahead and roll (laughs) through those eight points all right now um, and again these are covered in this little booklet called the fact check booklet at jose initiative so the first thing dr nathanson and his partner uh uh, lawrence later by the way was another jewish man Dr. Mm-hmm. Nathanson was Jewish and an atheist. Yes. Lawrence Later was Jewish, and I believe he was probably an atheist as well, but yeah. I, I can't confirm that. Yeah, I think that's and right. They, yeah. they partnered together, and, and, the, and they hired a public relations firm, uh, and the, the firm recommended that they come up with a strategy to be to um, – because if they said you have to have that strategy in order to create this revolution, this abortion mm-hmm. revolution – so the first thing they did was they framed the debate and they framed it around choice. Yeah. You know, words have power. Oh, yeah. And choice is so affirming and positive. And, you know, Americans, we love choice. Sure. Choice, even though, you know, with what's happening right now, we don't know how many choices are going to be left in America. Mm. You know, yeah. Mothers can't even find baby formula. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, numbered. So they framed it around choice because that's a very positive, affirmative thing. Point number two, they crafted the cynical slogans uh, mm-hmm. such as my body my choice yeah. or abortion's a personal decision or every baby a wanted baby and dr yeah. Nathanson said and he wrote uh that you know he sort of laughed uh, as they came up with these different slogans and he was wondering which one would be most effective mm. uh, and he told me in the interview you know that we put a spin on the information yeah uh, so keep in mind 
as you well know, you know, a doctor in a white lab coat is an authority figure. He, he, he or she is. Well, there's Dr. Nathan since yeah. 1969, and he's wearing his white lab coat. Point number three is he manipulated and used the American media. Yeah. Most of the women who were, most of the reporters who were covering this issue were young, radicalized feminists, mm-hmm. you know, young, young, young women who on their liberal college campuses had been indoctrinated into this left-wing movement. And Dr. Nathanson used them. He said they were like wet clay in his hands. He yeah. could tell them anything. You know, false facts, false polling, are the, which will be the next two points. Mm-hmm. And they would write it down and report it as if it, w- as if it was fact. So what would he tell them? Point number four, he fabricated the facts. Another word for that is he would lie. And, and if anybody's listening and you want to take notes, I remember when I learned this from him, and, you know, this is in writing, he would tell the media that one million women a year were having back alley illegal abortion. You remember that? Oh, yeah. And the real number was somewhere around 98,000, and that's Mm. on the high side. But but even the the more egregious number, in my opinion, is he would look at the reporters, and he would bald-faced lie to them and say, you know, we have an epidemic on our hands. This is a crisis because 5,000 to 10,000 women a year are dying due to complications of illegal abortion yes i remember that specifically i remember hearing i remember hearing him at a lecture was recorded lecture telling Uh that and he said he knew it was a lie and that's what you know that's what uh leftists do they think the the uh, the ends justifies the means but the ends don't justify the means and they feel that well our cause is so great that we can do anything we want you know we can we can lie we can cheat we can do anything and he admitted this, and was and sure. I, th- I think at the time there were really I think there were only somewhere uh, of uh, maybe around a, a couple hundred women who had died from complications of illegal abortion. Now there's way more than that for illegal abortion. But anyway, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and th- what he said, what he wrote about that false statistic about five thousand, ten thousand women dying. He wrote about this in 1979 in his book called Aborting America, mm-hmm. and he wrote, quote, I confess that I knew the figures were totally false, yeah. and I suppose the others did too if they stopped to think about it, but in the, quote, morality of our revolution, yeah. it was a useful figure, widely accepted, so why go out of our way to correct it with honest statistics? Yeah. The overriding concern was to get the laws eliminated, and anything within reason that had to be done was permissible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is a Marxist tactic, yep, absolutely. Uh, which he would, yeah, you know, because, and that's the other thing about, you know, the impact of worldviews. If someone is an atheist, and you, then when you combine that with a Marxist communist mm-hmm. trying to push this um, this scourge of abortion onto a nation, you're not worrying about lying. You, no. In your mind, you have nobody to report to. Right, right. right. So, so my point is, you know, when we begin electing when we vote for officials who no longer have a biblical worldview, mm-hmm. you know, that lying is wrong, 
what can happen to a nation? Well, we're living in it right yeah. now. But lest I digress and go yeah, down right. a different bunny trail here. Yeah. So point. The, that, so those were the, some of the, the lies that he would give. But another one was the polling figures. Mm. The PR company, the public relations firm, told him that you need to be able to quote statistics, polling stats above 50 percent. Why? Because the average person out there doesn't want to think that he's in a minority. Yeah. Okay. So doctor, when I sat beside Dr. Nathanson, I asked him point blank, where did you get the 60% statistic that 60% of all Americans want universal abortion on demand legalized? And he raised that feeble little arm in the air and he clenched his fist and he pulled it back down and he said, I pulled it out of thin air because I was told we need to be over 50%. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, and said, so, and he said the manipulation of the media was crucial, and they did that, you know, with these with the false numbers and the false polling. Then point number six is he would repeat the lies over and over and mm-hmm. over again. We all know that when the lies are repeated long enough, uh, it be, it begins to sound like the truth. Yeah. And and I like to bring this up because we now know it was completely false. You know, whether you like him or dislike him, but the whole accusation about the Russian collusion, the Russian dossier and sure. all this against Trump. All that's all we heard for 2 years. It began to sound like the truth. Yeah. This is exactly what the exactly media the did. Exactly the same. Exactly the it same. Is. It's chilling. And then they turn around and say we're the ones who are lying like Right. Like you you, <laughs> you using the the Trump analogy, they said his baseless false claims about about right. the uh, election uh, being stolen and so forth, but yeah, I mean the the big lie wasn't it? Uh, was it Hitler who um, or somebody in the Nazi regime that said if you tell a lie big enough and often enough, it becomes the truth or it becomes believed? I think it was. Yeah, and and, and well, it certainly or or some Marxist from Russia. I don't. Know. Yeah. But it certainly it certainly works, and and they exercised it to the uh, hundredth degree. Point number seven was he would then justify decriminalizing abortion, uh, meaning he claimed legalized abortion would not cause the number of abortions to increase. Mm-hmm. And he also asserted that women, you know, who seek abortions would procure the procedure whether it was legal or not. Yeah. Well, that's false because when you legalize something it automatically is going to drive the demand up. And sure. of course, back then, as you well remember, they were saying, look, it's just a blob of tissue. It's not yep. a baby. And hey, it's legal. Yep. Go do it. Right. Yep. Uh, well, then it became the self-fulfilling, self-fulfilling lie because he was claiming a million abortions a year were happening when it was really 98,000. Once it became legalized, boom, we yeah. were over a million abortions in a fairly short period of time. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say, too, that if you take the average cost of, say, 250 or $300, let's just say 250 and you multiply that just for the state of New York, mm-hmm. when New York legalized it in 1970, you know, what does that equal? I don't have, it's something like 65, $70 million overnight yeah, business. That's not going away easily. No. There are people making a ton of money yep. off exploiting women. Yeah, you just follow the money, and that's why people are digging in their heels so much uh, at this point in time, yeah. trying to keep it. Le- and, you know, you say about the, the law, once the law changes, the demand goes up. Well, it's also the, the law is a teacher. And even if people don't go ahead and 
run out and have an abortion, they see that it's legal. And, and in a lot of people's minds, if they, they think that if something is legal, then it's okay, then it's right. That notion alone drives up demand. Absolutely. Yep. You know, look at pot smoking. Yeah. You know, in Colorado. Yeah. You know, it's 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 everywhere. And up here and in Massachusetts. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's okay. all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Let's so, see, and then point number eight yeah. was the Catholic strategy. Yes. So Lawrence Later, it's important for your listeners to know he had been quite enamored with his best friend, Margaret Sanger, who was mm-hmm. uh, considerably older than he was. She had died in 1966, but he was best friends with Margaret. And I think Dr. Nathanson wrote suggestions that you know he, he was in love with uh, Margaret Sanger. Well, it was as if Margaret Sanger had passed her birth control baton over to Lawrence yeah. when he died. Mm-hmm. And so just a couple years after her death, Lawrence, it was Lawrence's idea to start this pro-abortion political action organization, which, of course, is still around today, NARAL, or mm-hmm. NARAL, mm-hmm. N-A-R-A-L. But Lawrence later also was very savvy when it came to politics and marketing. And he knew that in New York, they would never be able to sustain long-term pro-abortion victory if they didn't get enough Catholics over to their side. And this is absolutely critical for the American Catholic, American Catholics to know whether you're, whether you think you're pro-choice or, or, and if you're pro-life, you definitely need to know this. But if, but for the people who think they're pro-choice, you need to know that there was a time when you never would have been in that position. You would have believed what the Catholic Church teaches. Nathanson and Lawrence later formulated what they literally called the Catholic strategy to separate Catholics' religious conviction, killing babies is wrong, yep. and intrinsic evil, uh, from their legislative judgment, meaning how do you? it was a plan to persuade that pro-life Catholic that he or she can go vote for a pro-abortion yep. candidate. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It was very stealthy, very methodical, very effective, and very deadly. And in a way, it's and, almost a, a compliment to the Catholic Church, indirectly, that they realize that Holy Mother yeah. Church is, a, is usually a bulwark against these kinds of things, and they realize yeah. they really had to hit the, uh, the Catholic Church because they're the biggest defender in the world of innocent right. life. But well, and, and later reference this whole abortion revolution as a religious war, mm-hmm. and he was pinpointing it. It was a religious war, most particularly against our mother church. And, and before I forget this, and I gosh, I hope maybe you could post this somewhere. I was asked to write with my partner on Jose Initiative, Claire Ruff, a four-page article explaining the Catholic strategy for Inside the Vatican magazine. And if you're listening, because we won't be able to cover all this in great detail, but the details there, if your listeners would go to Inside the Vatican, type my name, Terry Beatley, in October 2020, it'll pop right up. So say it again, Inside the Vatican, what was the rest of it? Yes, sir, Inside the Vatican... It's insidethevatican.com, but if you if you Google okay. search Inside the Vatican, my name, it should pop right up. Okay, okay. It was, it was published in October 2020. This concludes part two of my interview with Terry Beatley. The Catholic Strategy. 
Here are more excerpts from Terry Beatley's article in the October 2020 edition of Inside the Vatican magazine. Like wartime strategists, NARAL's executive committee stealthily devised four primary points of attack against their leading opposition, the Catholic Church. First, blame and accuse the hierarchy. Cardinals, bishops, and clergymen were targeted relentlessly by the NARAL team. Every time a woman was maimed or died from complications of illegal abortion, NARAL never accused the physician of malpractice, but blamed the hierarchy and church opposition to legal abortion. Every press conference, editorial, or published article linked the name of a clergyman with social ills or women's woes. Nathanson explained, the anti-Catholic tactic was central to the maintenance of unity within the high command of the movement. There was always another bishop to denounce, another pastoral letter to be rebutted, another cardinal to be excoriated. Second, support and campaign for Catholic pro-abortion candidates. Narrell recognized and praised Catholic politicians who publicly expressed a softened stance on abortion. Third, split and set Catholics against each other. Nayral recognized that John and Jackie Kennedy were models of the modern, enlightened 20th century Catholic, thinking for themselves, without obeisance to church dogma. Nayral's strategist recognized two categories of Catholic faithful, the well-educated, fashionable Kennedy Catholics, and blue-collar conservative Catholics, only one generation removed from immigration. Let it be said, continued Dr. Nathanson, the Church helped us in NARAL. The 1968 encyclical Humanae Vitae, denying both abortion and contraception to Catholics, was a bonanza for us at NARAL at precisely the correct moment in history. By linking abortion and contraception in the encyclical, the Vatican made it possible for those Catholics who were using birth control to split off the abortion issue, therefore leaving them to pick their own way through the confusing ethical and theological landscape. The leap from practicing contraception to supporting legalized abortion proved an easy one. Fourth, execute the straddle. Perhaps the most common and effective tool in the NARAL strategy toolbox was the straddle, a separation of religious conviction from legislative judgment. Nathanson wrote that it was first proposed to the board by such notables as Robert Drynan, S.J., and Richard Cardinal Cushing. Parenthetically, I will add that Father Robert Drynan was our representative in north-central Massachusetts in the 1970s, and Cardinal Cushing was Archbishop of Boston. Tune in next time for more of this diabolical strategy to oppose the Catholic Church. But the gates of hell will not prevail.
Until next time, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect. And at the very least, we should first do no harm. First do no harm with Dr. Mark Rollo is produced at WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Richburg. We are very happy to share it with other networks. Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rollo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrollo978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O 978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember, first, do no harm.